When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Hockey Sense. I'm Chris Peters. This is episode 107 of the podcast, and it's a big one today. We got a lot to talk about. We got plenty to get to. We are talking 2024 NHL draft, and yes, finally, it is time for the midterm rankings, the long-delayed midterm rankings. We finally got them for you. We're going to talk about them and preview what you will see on flowhockey.tv later this week. So if you are a listener to this podcast, you are getting a sneak preview at the top 10, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the other rankings in there as well. Uh, Before we get to that list, and before I talk to you about that, I do want to remind you, if you have not yet, subscribe to this podcast on your podcast app of choice. Please leave a kind rating and review. It really does help us get up the podcast charts. It helps us keep running and doing all the things that we're doing. We're having a blast doing it. Hope you are enjoying watching. So if you are, Go over to your podcast app of choice and leave a nice written review and a five-star rating. It really does help a lot. So there's that. You could also catch us on YouTube and on flowhockey.tv or via the Flow Sports app. So always many different ways to discover and view or watch or listen to this podcast. And uh, we thank you for all of you that do uh, find your way to this podcast. It's been a lot of fun to do it over the last few years. But as I mentioned, it's a big episode because we are going to talk about the 2020, the 2024 NHL draft rankings, and particularly my top 10 rankings for this draft, finally have them ready to go for you. And it's been a lot of work and a lot of juggling and all sorts of different things. I just got back from the under 18 Five Nations tournament. So some last viewings of some players that I are going to show up on the rankings uh, that you will see on Flow Hockey. But we're going to start today, and I'm going to give you the entire top 10. So spoiler alert, if you do, would prefer to read all of these reports, Go right ahead and do that at flowhockey.tv starting on Thursday. That'd be, uh, I guess, Valentine. Thursday is a couple days away from when we're recording this. So right after Valentine's Day, if you're lamenting your your uh, your Valentine's plans not going quite the way you wanted to, read some draft rankings. That always makes you feel better. I know that's what makes me feel better. So we'll get to that. But anyway, let's talk top ten and let's start at the very top and. You don't need a spoiler alert for this one. You guys already know. It's Macklin Celebrini, the no-doubt number one prospect who I expect to go wire to wire as number one. Very little is going to move me from this position. I've watched Macklin Celebrini in depth for the last two years, but I've seen him even going back three years now when he was such a tremendous talent at Shattuck St. Mary's. And then we saw him at the Chicago Steel. And what a job he did there as a... Uh, a rookie, rookie of the year, MVP, uh, forward of the year in the USHL, incredibly difficult to do. And now he's a freshman at Boston University. He's among the top scorers in the country. He's a little bit behind the pace that Jack Eichel and Adam Fantilli set in their own Hobie Baker seasons. But I think Celebrini is very much in the mix for the Hobie Baker. He's not the favorite at this point, but he is certainly among the players in the mix for that prestigious honor as a not true freshman, but younger than true freshman. Accelerated schooling, he's 17 years old, does not turn 18 until June. You guys have heard me talk about that a lot, and I think the age factor is part of this whole projection. He's got a little bit more runway than some of these other players. He's going to be one of the younger players selected in the top half of this draft, and that allows him, you know, we're we're just projecting him out, and he has a little bit more runway than some of these other players, especially the late 05s and different players that are going to be eligible for this draft. But let me tell you what really does separate Macklin Celebrini. The skill is one thing, the speed, the hockey sense, all of those things. But I think there is one critical thing that separates Macklin Celebrini from the entire group, and that is his mindset, the way he plays the game, the way he approaches the game, and how he is able to absorb 
what the game throws at him. I think it's it's part hockey sense. It's part competitiveness. There's a lot of different factors that go into this. But if there's one thing I've seen over the last two years, every single team goes after him as hard as they can. They run him. He is. I've seen him checked from behind. I've seen headshots. I've seen all these different things. And luckily, he hasn't been seriously injured in those settings. He did have a shoulder injury last year, but that was unrelated to a, a rough hit. And this is a player that I think no matter what you throw at him, he just plays and he plays his heart out. He plays every single shift the same way. It's good effort. He doesn't take shifts off and he is about as complete a center as you can ask for. He's good defensively. He's good at, uh, on the offense. He can score goals. He's got a goal scorer shot. He makes plays, has tremendous vision and just a tremendous feel for the game. But it's that it all comes back to that mindset and how he has never ever rattled. And I think that he's a dogged competitor. He wants to win. He will do anything to win. He played through a shoulder injury all of last season. We thought that he might not be back in time for the start of this season. He's not only back, he makes an immediate impact, scores his first goal in his first college game. I mean, this is a guy that is going to continue to ascend and ascend and ascend. And really, we look at Connor Bedard and we say, wow, what a you know generational goal-scoring talent. There's so much. He's going to be a game-changer in the NHL. I really do feel that the team that drafts Macklin Celebrini is getting their long-term number one center. They're getting a franchise cornerstone, and they're getting a player that they can continue to build around. Now, if it's the Chicago Blackhawks and you get both of those guys, because that is a distinct possibility, if you get both of those guys, well, then I don't think any of the, anyone in the NHL is going to be too pleased about that unless you reside in Chicago. And so that could be fun for you. But also, I mean, I think if you are one of the teams that is in last place, you are excited by the prospects of having a Macklin Celebrini as a potential for you to win in the lottery. And really, I do think this would be a gigantic win for whoever does get the first overall pick in the NHL draft lottery. He is simply one of the best talents that we've seen come through the draft. You know, I, I don't think it's, you know, we're talking kind of in this more that Jack Hughes realm, I feel like, was as opposed to the Connor Bedard. And that Jack Hughes realm is exceptionally high as well. And that's the kind of player, the caliber of player that I think we're talking about here. Um, so that is really what Macklin Celebrini is. And, and I'm not comparing those players because I think Celebrini is a bit bigger. He's a bit stronger at this point. And, and certainly, you know, he is he is playing up a level, playing in, in and against college hockey teams, although Jack Hughes did the same at the NTDP, just played a, a bit of a different schedule. I mean, we're talking about very similar in terms of trajectory of career um, right here. And I do think Macklin Celebrini is far and away the number one prospect in this class. All right. So that Celebrini, as I mentioned, 23 goals, 19 assists, 42 points, 1.62 points per game. Adam Fantilli was at about 1.80. And I believe uh, Jack Eichel was at 1.71. So he's a little bit behind that pace, but still, I, I still think there's a lot more for, for Macklin Celebrini to show here as we reach the postseason. Now, for our number two prospect, we stay in the college ranks. Yes, we are going to stay in the college ranks and stay with a USHL alum in Artem Levshinov, who is playing at Michigan State. And there is a lot of debate starting at number two. Is it is it Levshinov? Is it Caden Lindstrom? Is it uh, Anton Silaev? Is it Ivan Demidov? Is it Sam Dickinson? I think you could put any one of those players in there. And I would have to say, you know, there's I don't have a huge argument. I think all those players are deserving. So why Levshinov at number two? Well, I think it comes back to he's a very complete defenseman. I, I think that there have been some concerns about his defensive game. I'm not as concerned about it. I think he's got the mobility, the hockey sense, the physicality, the the stick, the the, the awareness to and and the willingness to defend. Offensively, he's just under a point per game. And you know, this is a guy that comes in at six foot two. He's got that mobility. He's got that offensive sense. I just see a lot of NHL defensemen that he could ultimately turn into. I think he's got number one defenseman potential. I think the hockey sense is there. I think the competitiveness is there. And I certainly think the skill level is there. I think we have a number of guys that could be projected as a number one defenseman. And so at this point, I think it just comes down to the poise that he plays with, the intelligence and maturity that he plays with, and the fact that at Michigan State, this is a program that is getting changed in the right before our eyes. And it's not just Levshinov, it's a number of other players that are doing it. But for a long period of time, 
There were a lot of games I watched where Artem Levshinov was by far the best player on the ice, despite being one of the youngest players on the ice and despite having no previous college experience. Last year with the uh, with with the Green Bay Gamblers, I felt like this is a player who was transitioning to North America, made that transition seamlessly, and by the second half of the year was clearly one of, if not the best defenseman in the league, even if the points didn't necessarily show that. You look at Owen Power, who went number one overall, and certainly a player that I think we still have incredibly high hopes for over the course of his career. Artem Levshinov has surpassed what Owen Power did already in his freshman season in terms of production and in terms of, I, I feel, impact. I mean, Owen Power, no doubt, was a major impact player for the University of Michigan in his time there and, and stayed the extra year as well. Artem Levshinov is a driving force of the resurgence of Michigan State University. And quite frankly, that experience of being somebody that's part of a rebuild, part of, you know, this, it's a little different at the college level because you're not drafting, but, you know, basically being part of this solution. And now coming off of last weekend, big sweep against the University of Michigan, he didn't necessarily point it up, but he was an impactful player. And so that, Seeing seeing Michigan State take these steps with a, a top player like Levshinov, to me, is one of the key things that really separates him. Um, I, you know, I think that we're talking about splitting hairs here when it comes to the very tip top of this draft. But Artem Levshinov, for me, is the number two player right now. Will it change by the end of the year? It's going to be interesting to see. He is a be of Belarusian descent. We will not see him in the world championship. He won't get other extra opportunities beyond this college season. So the next several weeks of his season finishing strong is going to be especially important because that's what he wants to leave as the last impression of his season. He won't get other opportunities to do so uh, due to the international rules. And, and the IIHF did just announce that Belarus and Russia will not participate in next year's international events either. So that is a continuation. We won't see those players like Artem Levshinov out there. All right. So that's number two. Number three, I got. I have gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth on this one, and it's actually been really kind of among three players. And it's you know it's it's Caden Lindstrom, Anton Salayev, and Ivan Demidov, and I think each of them have a very strong case. But in the end, I went with Caden Lindstrom. Why? Position is one of those reasons. A big center with scoring ability, with physicality. I just think there are so many boxes that Caden Lindstrom checks. And this is something that took me a while to get there. I had to warm up to this idea. But the more I watch Caden Lindstrom, the more I see a game-changing player, a guy who is still very much in the developmental stage of his career where he is going to continue to grow, continue to get stronger. And as he does that, he will become a more dominant physical player. And he's already pretty good at that. You look at the production that he's had so far this season – unquestionably special there. He's made a lot of plays and, and then also has that physical game where he can lay a body check, where he can battle in the corners, where he can take care of the net front, where he can you know battle in front of the net and find goals. He's got a, the ability to shoot from distance. He has good enough hands. He's in a tremendous skater for his size and just a good skater in general. And I think that those things all combined make a very special, almost unicorn type player. Now, We've seen big centers in the NHL before. There are plenty of them. But I just think that, that he does so many of the things. I feel like he really is kind of that five-tool player where you, you see that, that size, the physicality, the athleticism, the, the, the skill, the shot, the hockey sense, the, skate, you know, the skating is just really one of those things that I think just really puts him on an, a very interesting path. And so you look at what the Medicine Hat Tigers have done this year. They've got a lot of good players. You know, Caden Lindstrom has played a lot with Gavin McKenna, who's a guy that we're looking at for future drafts as a, as a real superstar as well. Um, and he's, he's made quite a few headlines um, over the course of his season, but I just think that Caden Lindstrom at his size and his, his potential, I feel like the upside to him is maybe a, as high as anybody's in this draft. And, and I just think that there's still so much raw potential he hasn't even tapped into yet that I can't wait to watch him do that because I think there is a special player. Um, there already is one, but I think there's an even more special player in there and a guy that could potentially be a number one center. You know, I think that there's also the potential that he's just a, you know, a dominant power forward um, as time goes on. And so many teams are looking for size, heaviness, um, but also when you can have that with speed and skill, that's when you start saying, well, we got something special here. And I do think that that's what we have with Caden Lindstrom. 
Moving on to the next player, and this, again, this is a player that I felt was very firmly in the mix for number three and even number two, um, and that's uh, Anton Salaev. And Salaev is a really interesting player on, you know, for, for a number of reasons. I do think he is more of that unicorn type, that six foot seven with fluid skating ability, with the ability to move pucks, with the ability to find plays. And, and I just think that that's one of the things that, that really stands out to me is when you have the size that he does – you have to be able to be coordinated. You have to have the the ability to make plays. I think that he's also now shown that he can be a physical player, that he can be a guy that drives players through the boards if he has to, that he's hard to get past. He's got that tremendous reach, a really good defensive stick. You know, the offense is cool. He got off to a really hot start at the beginning of the season. I think that put him on the radar. But really, as you continue to watch him, how does he impact games other ways? And he just does it both ends of the ice. He has that ability to kind of, you know, play, make, make some plays on top of just being this big, long defender. Um, I think the thing that really strikes me about him, the thing that I, that I keep coming back to as I look at his overall package and skill set and, and, and what he brings, it's that next level that he can still get to. And it'll be interesting to see kind of how the Russian players are handled. You know, we just had news the other day that Danili Yurov, uh, the Minnesota Wild first-round draft prospect, has opted for another year in the KHL. The good news for them is it sounds like it's only a one-year contract. Um, but those are the types of things. How long are you going to wait for these players? Silaev is under contract until 2026. And so you're already waiting then. What happens if he re-ups? And I think that that risk could be palatable to some teams and not for the others they can they can take on that risk and others probably won't especially not when you have other options on the board that you feel are a little bit safer maybe you're giving up a little bit of that potential but you're getting a player that you feel pretty confidently is going to be part of your team in not just the long term but also in that near term when you feel like hey we might start competing we're going to need this player um and you might not have that with Celia but you know this is a guy that spent the entire season in the KHL at 17 years old he's an April birthday um so another guy that you know is is he's not just a, a late 05 he is a, a true uh U18 player playing in the KHL, which is really special. And to see what he's done so far this year um, is nothing short of remarkable. So you you have a, you know, a six foot seven, 200 plus pound left shot defenseman with that mobility with that can defend and can potentially produce offense. And I think there is some debate on how much offense there really is. And I do agree with that. And that's one of the reasons why I knocked him down. I still think that a team that gets their hands on him when they do, We'll be able to really develop him into a solid two-way defenseman that brings size and some some snarl and just really in, intrigue to your lineup. So I got a lot of time for Anton Salaev, and that is why he is at number four on the Flow Hockey NHL Draft Rankings. Moving on to number five, we're staying in Russia, and this is a tough one too because Ivan Demidov, as of right now, as of this this recording, he has surpassed Nikita Kucherov's under 19 scoring uh, pace from his own season in uh, in the MHL, so the U20 race. So, so Demidov has surpassed that. He has the second highest points per game average at nearly two points per game, 1.92 points per game in the MHL in uh, in a few years. And uh, I believe it was Nikita Gusev that had over two points per game. Um, did not necessarily pan out as an NHL player, but he also took a long time to get over to uh, North America. Uh, so ultimately, that didn't quite work out. But Ivan Demidov is, you know, the guy that we've all been really excited about. You know, some people had said, hey, he's better than Matt Mitchkov. I didn't necessarily always agree with that. I think Mitchkov's genius level hockey sense is a real separating factor. But you look at the physical tools that Demidov has. You know, he's he's average size, under six foot, but still he's 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 a guy that you know can drive. He's got strength to him. Um, his skating is fine. It's not amazing uh, at his size, but he's got this incredible shot. Uh, the just really good deception. Um, a motor that just doesn't quit and, and, you know, he's very difficult for defensemen to contain. And so Ivan Demidov, you know, really stands out as a player that I think, you know, teams are going to be interested in and they're also going to potentially be willing to take on the risk. The thing that I don't love about what's happening with Ivan Demidov right now is that he is too good for the MHL. Um, and 
this happens. There's really no place for him to go on the ska lineup. You know, he's not quite ready for that. They haven't put him in the VHL, which I have not real great feelings about in terms of how it develops young players. So I think he's in the, given his current circumstances, he's in a place that's at least acceptable. But I mean, since coming back from injury, he's basically been automatic. He just continually scores game after game after game after game. And when that happens and when you're seeing the same things happen, and the the one thing that I'm getting concerned about is as I've watched some of these later games, he's taking these shots from way far out. They're going in. Those shots are not going in in the NHL. Those shots are not going in in the KHL probably. And so I would love to see some more of those uh, interior plays, which he is very good at. He can get to the middle of the ice. He can make plays uh, through all zones. So, you know, that's going to be interesting. But I think what it comes down to, to me, is he's an excellent scoring winger. I don't think he's going to be a center at the next level. Do you think he's going to be a winger? And, And, you know, with that, I think he could be a top six guy. Under contract until 2024, 25. So that's another, you know, kind of thing that you're you're thinking about. It's not that bad. You know, 23, 24, we're in right now, 24, 25 next year. You know, the potential to bring him in. I think NHL teams with players like him and if Demidov re-ups, you know, that could change the dynamic of his draft, uh, his draft stock. But then there's also the risk that you run that he does re-up after draft after being drafted. Uh, but I still think that NHL teams are not going to shy away from the best Russian talents because they didn't last year. And I really don't think they're going to do it this year, even though there are some lingering concerns. I don't think it's going to be super late. Demidov and and Salayev certainly could slip um, because of the perceived Russian factor, but that is certainly not necessarily uh, it's not necessarily what will happen. But Ivan Demidov, I think we've got a top six score on our hands here. I think we have an excellent Russian prospect. Um, I do worry about some of the bad habits creeping into his game when the game is so easy to him as it is at the MHL level right now. You have to hope that he's playing and playing meaningful minutes in the KHL by next season um, and, and then bring him over to North America if you're able to after that. All right, we're going on to number six, and we'll speed these up a little bit more now so we can get you through because I got a couple other notes that I want to share about our draft rankings. But I did want to talk a bit about um, the six through ten and, and Sam Dickinson at with the London Knights. You know, as far as six foot three defensemen go, his production is almost unrivaled in OHL history, really. I mean, you know, you you could use all those great filters that they have over at Elite Prospects and you could say, all right, I want to see who has the highest points per game average as a defenseman that's six foot three or taller in the history of of the OHL and also as a U18 player. And Dickinson is second in that category, over a point per game. Now you look a guy that's a little bit further down the list, Zane Parekh. He's among the top in the U18 uh, points per game right now with his his status. He's just outside of the top 10. But if you want to see the rest of the list, you're going to have to go check it out on Flow Hockey to see where exactly he is outside of the top 10. But he's certainly not far away. Uh, but Sam Dickinson, I mean, a tremendous athlete. I think a two-way player. Defensively, there's still a lot of work to be done offensively. Um, you just love the way that he is able to find plays and score goals and and uh, just really at his size make things happen at both ends of the ice. So uh, a lot of time for him, number six. I think that's another guy you could throw in that number two to three, four discussion. Uh, but on my list, he ends up at number six. And number seven, Berkeley Catton, um, you know, another guy where I feel like I've been a little bit up and down on him throughout this year, but over the last few weeks, you know, and, and certainly through some conversations that I've had with others, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly coming more around to the fact that Berkeley Catton is a legitimate top five threat. Um, he is a center. I think he's going to be a guy that plays center at uh, at the at the highest level. I do think that he's got two-way capabilities. He's extremely competitive. I think his skating ability is phenomenal. Really good shot. There's so many different things that he is able to do offensively, but he doesn't shirk on his defensive responsibilities. And I think he's a competitive, energetic player, and I really like competitive, energetic players, especially when they have high-end skill like Berkeley Catton does. Um, you know, I think he's got a real chance to sneak into the top five here. I think teams that are looking for centers are often going to take them um, early. And, you know, so you've got you look at some of the wings that are, you know, as of right now, it's really just Demidov ahead of him on my personal list. But, you know, I, I think that it's going to be hard for the wings to surpass him. Um, and Berkeley Catton certainly is a guy that has taken his game to another level this year um, and only continues to get better. So that's a player I have a ton of time for seventh on the list. 
At number eight, now we get to Cole Eiserman. Now, this is a guy that we talked about as the number two prospect for a long time. He scored almost 70 goals last year, 69 goals last year. He's 20, a little under 20 goals away or 20 plus goals away from uh, tying or breaking the record that Cole Caulfield set for career goals at the national team development program. When you see the names that he's moved past, um, you know, but I just got back from the under 18, five nations tournament. And I think throughout this season, you come away with a Cole, from a Cole Eiserman game saying there is skill. There is tremendous scoring ability. There is certainly, he can play with enough pace. He can make plays. He can look off the shot and make the pass when he wants to. It doesn't happen very often, but it, he can do it. But then you also say, okay, well, what else is he going to bring to the table as a winger? And and he's not a play driver. He's not a, he's, he's more of a finisher. He's been playing more with James Hagens lately, which I think is good for his game. It allows him to open things up a little bit. It allows Hagens to drive play and Iserman to be the beneficiary. Um, you know, and, and I think we had a lot of these same discussions with Cole, about Cole Caulfield and Cole Caulfield ended up on my list in a similar range to where Cole Eiserman is right now at number eight. Um, you know, and I think when you have expectations set at the beginning of the season, you start kind of, you, you know, him falling to eighth looks like he's dropping when really, I think it's just a lot of this class is elevated. Um, and that's not to say, <coughs> excuse me. And that's not to say that Eiserman hasn't also elevated. What he has done is, you know, I, I think that he's played pretty much the same way that we've always seen. I think that he still needs to get better off of the puck. It's been a constant point of, um, you know, a note for him throughout his career, but he is a very good scorer. I mean, there's quite simply the thing that he is best at is the thing you need is one of the many things that you need to win hockey games, but arguably the most important thing. And that's the ability to score and score consistently. Being able to score is one thing. Scoring consistently is another thing. It's just not very often that Cole Eiserman goes multiple games without a goal. Um, so that's something that's important. I I haven't forgotten that. I think that he's gotten physically stronger this year. I think he's got a little bit more burst in his skating. I think he's really improved his hands and, and also um, the tenacity that he plays with and the competitiveness that he plays with. Um, it's just more about rounding out his game, um, making more puck touches that are effective away from the net. Uh, making puck touches through the neutral zone that are effective in helping your team get pucks into the zone. Um, I'd like to see more of that from his game. And I think that's where we'll see, but Cole Eiserman, yeah, he slipped in the draft rankings, but he's very much still uh, a prospect that I think a lot of teams are going to be looking at very carefully. At number nine, we've got Consta Hellenius. We've talked about him on this podcast before. I think what he's done in, in Finland in the Liga in terms of his production, in terms of his role, is incredibly impressive for a player of his age. You know, he had a so-so World Junior Championship, but he played a pretty prominent role on Finland's team. Um, you know, I think he's got that two-way capability. I think there's, you know, middle six center potential there from him, um, you know, with uh, the outside chance of being a number two center. I just think that the, his style of game really is conducive to the NHL because he plays with competitiveness. He he's, he takes care of his own zone. He plays well off the puck, but then he's got the skill to be able to finish plays and and make some plays as well. So I uh, really do like Consolanius at number nine. And then at number 10, Carter Yukemchuk, uh, been a guy that, you know, is rising up the list uh, across the league. You know, we like the size, we like the, the offensive ability, we like the things that he's shown. Um, and I think that the progression from him has been pretty in, impressive as well. And so, you know, I think for him, uh, you know, the next step is going to be real interesting. Um, you know, I think the, the last phase, I don't see him as even with uh, those guys, even though his production is certainly up there. Um, but, you know, six foot three right shot defenseman that's producing at 50, you know, right now, as we record this 24 goals, 53 points and 48 games. Um, you know, I think that there's really good hockey intelligence there. I think that he has the ability to find how to create offense. He gets shots through. He's smart with the puck. He's poised. Um, and, you know, I think the skating ability is solid as well. Um, so, you know, that's a guy where I see him really rising up and you look at those big defensemen and boy, what a great year to be looking for defensemen as we look at it. And, you know, the other reason, and I, I would say that, that one of the shifts that I've had in my list making, um, you know, I didn't necessarily always have a positional bias. Um, but I do think as time has gone on, as we've seen throughout the last few drafts, it's still a very center defense heavy top half of the draft. When you have a big defenseman that is productive, that is that has shown that he can make a lot of different plays, that he's 
comfortable enough defensively. When you have a center with size, I mean, those guys are going to get picked over the wings often, um, especially if they're right shot defensemen, especially if they're right shot centers. I mean, there are definitely a lot of those things. And so as the NHL kind of shifts, you know, you can have your own philosophies on how to do things, but I do think that you have to take some of your cues from the league and the league in this point, they are moving towards wanting to draft bigger, wanting to draft um, more defensemen, wanting to draft more centers. Um, you know, and I think the center, the centered bias has always been there. You always take the center over the wing. If you're given the choice, if you even take the defenseman over the wing, if you're given the choice, but it just seems now at the top of the draft, guys like Cole Iserman and Ivan Demidov may be pushed out because this is such a defense and center, uh, more defense than center, but a defense and center heavy draft at the very top of this thing. And so, what you know, guys like even Berkeley Catton have a better chance to move past some of those guys because he plays a position and can play that position at the NHL level. So, something to be aware of. Um, as far as the rest of this year's draft, we're going to talk a little bit about the USHL in a second. But what, before I get to that, I just do want to say. There are a lot of the, the draft rankings that are coming out top 50 on flowhockey.tv reports on the 50 players that are listed. Um, and I think that there's still going to be a lot of movement. I was just at the five nations and I talked to a lot of scouts there. And, you know, I think there's a, there's a difference of opinions. There's some guys that really think the bottom half of the first round is good. There are others that don't like it at all. And I think there's a lot of us, and I would put myself in this camp that just thinks there's a lot of, uncertainty in that range. I think there are a lot of players where you say, okay, well, that's, and this is every year you have players there. They're not perfect. Otherwise they would have gone much higher in the draft, but there's something about them that gives you pause. And I feel like I've, I, as I've gone through my reports, as I've watched video, as I've you know started putting these lists together, I feel that same way. So I do think there's going to be a lot of movement between the midterm and the end of the season. There's going to, obviously you get more video, you get more views, but what you also get is the complete picture of the season as a whole and I really think that that helps a lot. So uh, that's they're, they're, we're going to have a lot there. Um, you know, guys like Zeev Booyam, of course, Trevor Connolly, um, you know, Sasha Boyver. Like there are so many players that we obviously didn't touch down in the top 10, but you will be able to read all about them on flowhockey.tv. So make sure on Thursday, February 15th, you will be able to read that. Um, so make sure you go there. We'll also have some notes on other things. Also, some of our draft covers, we got some new things coming up on the YouTube page for Flow Hockey that'll be coming soon. We have a bunch of interviews from the Five Nations, including one with Atos Koivu, who is uh, the son of Saku Koivu, but all of a sudden, really firmly in the NHL draft picture this year after kind of coming out of nowhere. Uh, we have an interview with him, uh, have interviews with guys like Cole Iserman, Brody Zemer, um, uh, EJ Emery, um, you know, Camille Bednarik. I mean, there are, there are a lot of interviews there and then we're also going to have shift by shift videos of some of the top prospects that have appeared on flow hockey this year that includes macklin celebrini artem levshinov Zeev buyam and a number of others you're going to be able to see those guys um, in their shift by shift so you can watch what i watch when i'm watching video by just watching the shifts of the most important players and a huge shout out to liz child who's been churning out a ton of great social content for us on flow hockey all year uh well since joining us um in december so we really appreciate that as well all right let's move on we're going to talk about some of the players you can watch every single weekend on flow hockey and i'm going to take the requisite sip of water before we get into it but we're talking ushl draft eligibles so first off we're going to start off their alumni macklin celebrini chicago steel artem levshinov green may gambler Zeev Buyam. Um, in uh, they of, of the U.S. National Team Development Program, those are guys that have moved on from the USHL, but are very much um, you know part of that group. They are uh, guys that are on my draft rankings. Some others, I'm not going to give the numbers away. I'll have you read it, but you already know Cole Eisenman is number eight. He's the highest ranked current USHL player, but just after him, uh, not too far down the list is Trevor Connolly. We've talked about him a lot here. We'll continue to talk about him. Ryan Sykes has a, uh, a great piece uh, that'll be coming on flow hockey as well about the work that Trevor has tried to put in to um, show teams that he's changed from some of the behavioral issues that has led to some trouble for him in the past. And then also, um, you know, one of the things that I did over the course of the five nations is I talked to a lot of scouts and I said, you know, what is, what are we talking about with Trevor Connolly? What, you know, what are you thinking 
what is your team thinking? Uh, I talked to some teams that met with Trevor Connolly that said they had very good meetings. I had to talk to others that said that it went okay. Um, I've had others that said that they will not even meet with him because they are not going to put him on their list. Um, so that is still very much a storyline here. As this is all happening, Trevor Connolly has been one of the best players in the USHL and arguably is the best player in the USHL on talent. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that a lot of teams are trying to discuss now. The other kind of uncomfortable subject when it comes to players with potential character issues is, as we've seen in years past with other players that did have things, you know, what, what's happening with Trevor Connolly is not a legal issue. It's, you know, like there was with other players. There are other players that had criminal misconduct that was charged. And so that's a whole different dynamic. Uh, it doesn't make the change any different. And I think that there's a lot of character analysis that's going on with Trevor Connolly. I know the family has worked very hard to try to um, help show that he has uh, learned from past mistakes. I think that there has been work on Trevor's part, honest work on Trevor's part. Um, you talk to other coaches that have, have dealt with them, like Matt Smaby, who coached him at the World Junior A Challenge. Ryan Sykes caught up with him, had nothing but positive things to say about him uh, coaching him. Um, you know, So that's going to be interesting. And then there's also the possibility of the World Under-18 Championship. He's eligible. Would USA Hockey invite him? If they do invite him, does that change the dynamic of how he's going to be uh, viewed by, you know, if USA Hockey says, y'all, we've, we've done our due diligence and we feel that he belongs on our team, you know, and, and there's no saying that that's actually what's going to happen. Um, but I also think that NHL teams have to make a decision and say, you know, we do have character concerns, but does the talent trump that? And that's the question that I think a lot of teams are at least asking themselves because unlike some of the other players this happened with, uh, where there were character concerns that was would potentially limit their draft potential, um, I think you know Trevor Connolly is a potential difference maker at the NHL level, which is really where that conversation starts. It's an uncomfortable one to have. And the question is, is does the NHL, you know, when you draft a player, I think most teams want to also draft a good person. And there's nothing to say that Trevor Connolly isn't a changed person and a better person than he was when he was 15 years old. Um, but again, it's more actions than words. And I think that that's going to be really what happens next. And But teams are continuing to do their due diligence. They're, they're talking over with ownership. They're talking over with the GMs. I mean, this is getting to the highest levels of organizations in order to make this decision. Um, but it's what has to be done. All right, moving on from that. Um, and and uh, again, Trevor Connolly is going to be very high in the draft rankings. Um, you know, I think that we all have to kind of look at that from the player perspective. Um, and, you know, I don't think uh, I'm non listing him on a list where, you know, I think you need to paint the picture of the draft class as it is. And Trevor Connolly is certainly a big part of that. Um, and when it comes to other USHL players in there, Sasha Boisvert. Uh, Muskegon Lumberjacks. I mean, I think that there's a, that's a player right there that I think a lot of teams are really interested in that want to have a have a, a real good look at. Um, he's had a tremendous season. He's on pace for close to 40 goals. If he hits 40 goals, that's a pretty magical number in the USHL. I know a lot of people say, oh, 50, you know, different things. But as far as an under 18 player in the USHL, scoring 40 goals is a humongous deal in that league. Boisvert is on the pace for it. Michael Hage is another player, Chicago Steel. I think he's had a really good, uh, didn't have a great start to the season, but he's starting to really turn it up. And he's gone through a lot of personal things. He lost his father this summer, tragically. Um, we have a story on flowhockey.tv by Ryan Sykes about, you know, how Michael Hage turned to hockey to get him through this difficult time and, and certainly to play your draft season with such a heavy heart. Um, the other USHL players that are also on this list, EJ Emery, Matt Vagradin, Cole Hudson, Adam Kleber, John Mustard, all pretty high up. Uh, Will Skahan is another guy that you could see on the list. There are some that are in the final stages of editing, um, and we'll have to get to that. But I did want to talk a little bit about um, Gradine, Kleber, and Mustard as guys that are non-NTDP players. Um, and John Mustard in particular is one that I have kind of, you know, starting back at the – Fall Classic said, this is a guy we got to keep an eye on. Um, he is a Canadian citizen who played a lot of youth hockey in New Jersey, now playing for the Waterloo Blackhawks. He recently had a four-goal game 
Um, he is uh, over 20. He's one of the top goal scorers in the USHL right now. Good size, good strength, does a lot of the little things well. Good shot, goal scorer's mentality. Um, you know, is he a top-end scorer at the NHL level? I don't think so, but I think he does enough to be like a really solid middle six, potentially third-line guy that's playing really good hockey and helps you win games because he does a lot of little things well. So Mustard's an interesting one, um, and, and I think that he's a guy that I'm, I'm, I'm keyed in on. Um, what makes him interesting to me in particular is that he played 16U hockey last year. He was essentially playing minor hockey last year with at, at the 16U level. He goes, he was tremendously dominant at that level, but then he goes to the USHL and is an immediate over point per game player for the Waterloo Blackhawks. That transition does not happen often. So when it does, it really does open your eyes. And I really think that John Mustard is one of those players that is taking that next level and has leveled up in such a way that you have to start moving them on your list as well. Um, and so that's that's another thing that I, I I really think with John Mustard. So you'll see him on that list. You might see him higher than you would expect to see him. Um, but quite frankly, he's been one of the most U- impressive USHL players for me. And, and I like what I'm seeing out of out of John Mustard. Um, and we won't uh, do any mustard puns. We'll leave that to Corey, Corey Pronman, who uh, relishes those opportunities. But anyway... I did it anyway. All right. Also want to talk a little bit about Adam Kleber. Um, Adam Kleber of the Lincoln Stars. Talked about him all year. He's a guy that immediately jumped out at the Fall Classic. Then he kind of went through a lull. I think that he was still trying to discover, you know, the right way to play and the way to to best maximize his game. Of late, I feel like he's found it. There's fluidity in his skating. There's, uh, you know, aggressiveness in his defense. He's moving pucks more confidently. He's scoring goals, which is something he did not do at all last season. Um, Has, I believe, four goals now for Lincoln. Um, he's not going to be a, a tremendous offensive performer, but he's a six foot five defenseman with mobility. And if he points up a little bit, that gives you a little, you know, I, I, I've seen glimmers of his offensive game. So to me, he's an early day two pick. Um, so a little spoiler for where you might find him on our, on our rankings, but there is a chance that I think teams, especially we talked about it, that the defenseman with size, there is still a premium on that. And I think NHL teams are potentially going to look at that player, take the skill set, the package, and say, we're going to work with this player. We're going to let him develop. Um, And he's going to college, going to Minnesota Duluth, a place that's really done a great job of developing NHL defensemen over the years. And you just let him go. And I think that Adam Kleber is going to be one of those players in the USHL that gets a lot of attention um, as the season progresses and as well as he plays and He's another one of those guys that could potentially be an invite for Team USA at the Under-18 World Championship if they decide to add players from outside. You know, Now you've got a great opportunity to, to, to add a player like him, and that would be a great showcase for his talent playing against uh, with and against the elite of the age group. So uh, very fascinated by Adam Kleber. I think that there is a, that's a player that it's more hunchy for me with him. I just As I've watched him, I see elements of the NHL in his game. Um, and I think that he'll just continue to round out and potentially be a you know a high potential, uh, a high ceiling kind of player um, at six five. I think all ceilings are high for him though, so uh, we'll see about that. So as I mentioned, those names, I mean, like a lot of those names that we talked about are outside of the national team development program. So this is make no mistake, this is a great year to be in the USHL. It's a great year for them for the draft. It's another opportunity. You know, you think about the alumni that have gone. First overall, Fantilli and and Owen Power, uh, who are not NTDP players, who play for the Chicago Steel. You've got multiple teams represented here. Um, I just think that there's a lot to like about what the USHL has has in its this year. And boy, am I glad they're on Flow Hockey this year as well, because it is uh, great to watch these players day in day out. You can see them any day of the week. You want to live or on demand on flowhockey.tv. We have the entire USHL season and we will have the Clark Cup playoffs for you as well. It only gets better from here. Watch those players and a whole bunch more. You're going to see many more on the top 100 when we release that towards the end of the hockey season. So that is what we got on the USHL. It's a great year in the draft for them, and we are excited to see where all of those players go, and I hope that you will check out where they ended up on my midterm rankings 
on flowhockey.tv. All right, just wanted to go over something really quick. Last week, we, we didn't have a podcast last week because I was gone, but we did talk two weeks ago to Brad Schlossman about the NCAA um, potentially exploring the eligibility of uh, CHL players. Now, there's been a lot of reporting, a lot of back and forth, and a lot of different things. Um, and, you know, Jimmy Connolly of USCHO reported yesterday that the coaches and the athletic directors, there's not widespread support for this, so it's a dead issue. Um, with all due respect, it's not a dead issue. Um, and it's not a dead issue because even if the coaches and athletic directors are against it, which no one has denied, uh, every, like that has been part of the reporting from the beginning. We have said coaches do not want this to happen at the college level. What can happen and probably will happen is at some point, and this is a hypothetical, but at some point, if someone attempts to challenge the NCAA on its amateurism rules when it comes to hockey, they are very, very likely to lose that battle. And they are probably unlikely to fight it very hard because if you've been paying attention to the news lately, the NCAA keeps losing court cases over amateurism rules and labor rules and everything else. So that's where things are going to change. It's not going to be because the coaches don't want it and the athletic directors don't want it. We already knew that. It's not going to be in their hands forever. And that's the thing. And so the reason that I bring that up is that teams that don't prepare for that possibility, teams that aren't thinking about it, they're going to be left behind if they're not prepared for what this change that is coming. And, and make no mistake, if this change comes, barring rewriting of rules and CBAs and different things that could potentially keep things the way that they are in the NHL, you know, this has the potential to be a seismic shift in the landscape beneath the NHL. And I think one of the reasons that a lot of people are against it is because what we have right now seems to be working pretty well. College players are developing at an all-time high. CHL players are still developing at an extremely high rate. They're still sending the most players to the NHL. Um, you know, the USHL has become this tremendous feeder to both college and the NHL, um, sending more draft picks to the first round more total draft picks selected. So the system as it stands has probably as good as it's ever been. But again, it might come down to one player being denied entry into the NCAA, filing a lawsuit against the NCAA, the rules being changed soon thereafter. It's been the Wild West. I mean, think about how quickly things change in NCAA when it comes to even football. I said this to my buddy Guy Flaming on the, on the Pipeline podcast um, not terribly long ago that within 24 hours we saw we had a Pac-12 and then suddenly we didn't have a Pac-12. That is the nature of this beast of college realignment, name, image, and likeness, all of the, you know, the, 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 the myth of amateurism. It's all starting to fall apart. And as that happens, everyone on the college hockey side, everyone on the major junior side and the NHL, are going to have to be ready if this crumbles before their eyes because the potential has never been higher. So you have to be prepared. And I think that's, that's the thing. And as we said when, we, when Brad was on last week, nothing is imminent, nothing is decided, and we still haven't seen this actually challenged legally. If it ever does happen, we think it will not go the NCAA's way, but it potentially could, and then everything stays the same. So those are the potentials there. So those are my quick notes on NCAA eligibility. Those are what I wanted to talk a little bit about because this is going to continue to be a story, whether the coaches and the athletic directors support it or they don't. So just keep that in mind. All right, before we get out of here, I did want to quickly go over where I was last week. So sorry we didn't have an episode, but I was on the road, and it was a very valuable, fruitful trip to the under-18 Five Nations Tournament in Plymouth, Michigan. Uh, Czechia, Finland, Sweden, USA, uh, and Switzerland were all there. Uh, it was a tremendous event, and really what was struck me was that the players that really stood out ended up being some of the guys that aren't eligible until next year. Uh, certainly, we saw Cole Eiserman have a, a, a pretty solid tournament. Cole Hudson had some really good games as well. Um, you know, James Higgins was solid. But the guy that really stole the show was Anton Frundell, 16-year-old from Sweden. And this is a guy you have to know about because he is going to be talked about a lot over the offseason, especially if he stays in the role that he's in. 16 years old, number one center for Sweden in this tournament at the Five Nations. 
ends up leading them to the championship of the tournament. They beat USA, come from behind, score late, um, and and end the game in regulation with a with a goal with uh, I believe a second, just a little over a second left on the clock, and it was scored by Frondell. And he's got size, he's got speed, he's got hands, he's got shooting ability, he's cre- creative and clever. He's competitive. He's heavy. It's like this is a this is a player that could be a problem on the international stage. And you know, I've gone to these five nations a lot. I've seen a lot of different players. It's been a few years since I've seen a player that excited me as much as Anton Frundell uh, out of Sweden. I, I mean, I think you know Axel Sandin Pelica certainly was a guy that I liked a lot. Um, as I watch Frundell, I see this is a guy that's just on 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 another level at this point. Um, he was to me one of the best, if not the best player on the ice in most games that he played. Um, he was certainly Sweden's most consistent player. He led the tournament in goals. Um, so yeah, Anton Frundell, that is a name that you need to know and remember. And now if you're team USA, you've now lost two international tournaments um, in this season. They have these five nations, four nations, and this is a team that won their under a 17 challenge. And now they've kind of come back to earth a little bit. And that's why when I'm talking about guys like Trevor Connolly, Adam Kleber, you know, looking for outside help to play at the World Under-18 Championship. Um, We don't know if there will be very many under-17s that are brought up. um, But, you know, I think that there are some outside players that could certainly help this team, possibly from the USHL. Uh, You know, we'll look at the playoffs and the different schedules and everything like that. We've seen players in the past. Um, leave their teams. Uh, you know, I, I believe uh, Macklin Celebrini did it last year. Um, we saw Nick Moldenauer do it a couple of years ago, Adam Fantilli, where they, you know, went to the under 18 world championship. And it's such an opportunity for the players. You know, most teams aren't going to deny that opportunity. And so um, they let those players go. And so I think that's certainly a possibility. Uh, but Team USA, after losing again and, and twice to Sweden internationally, a Swedish team that, you know, really on paper was not that great. Um, I think that this is going to be a little bit of a time for USA to figure out exactly what they want to do because Canada is going to have a good team. They're going to play that Swedish team. Finland will have some of their better players back as well. They were very shorthanded at this tournament. Uh, Czechia as well. I mean, those, those teams were shorthanded uh, based and, and went to a lot of 07s in order to fill out their roster. So um, international hockey, it's just heating up. We've got the world under 18 championship at the end of April. And, uh, There's some work to be done, so we'll have to watch that as it progresses. All right. Well, that just about does it for today. We we have managed to make it to the end. Uh, Just a reminder, please do go check out the full draft rankings on flowhockey.tv. We will have those up on Thursday. You can also read more about Macklin Celebrini. You can catch all of our interviews and extra videos like shift-by-shift videos that will be up very soon. Um, Some draft features on guys like Adam Kleber, EJ Emery, um, as Sasha Boisvert, there's a lot more coming your way on both flowhockey.tv and YouTube. So stick close to all of our social channels at flowhockey dot or at flowhockey, uh, and then at flowhockey TV on TikTok. So make sure you are checking those out and staying up to date with everything. We'll be back next week talking lots more prospects. We'll be talking college hockey. We'll be talking about playoffs and everything else that's coming up in junior hockey. So much to talk about the rest of the way here. Really glad that you could join us for this week's episode. Hope you will enjoy uh, checking out all of the draft coverage we've got coming your way for the rest of the season. But that is going to do it for this week's episode. My name is Chris Peters. This is Talking Hockey Sense. We'll catch you next time.